So many of us have app fatigue. So many clients, so many apps, and so many different payments, charges, receipts, subscriptions, discounts, bundles. It's almost impossible to keep track of. What if you could have just one subscription for 50 different integrated business apps? You can. It's called Zoho One. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Zoho, later in the episode. The thing that's shameful about this whole thing is like what Armanino and Prager Metis and Mazars were doing is they weren't doing real audits. They were doing, you know, these proof of reserves. I'm doing air quotes And when they there. do this, they're never, this, like I think they even, the interview you just played, they'd never actually look at the liabilities when they do these proof of reserves. It's just looking at the assets at a point in time, and it's not even clear what sort of due diligence they're doing on those assets. Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. How you doing, David? Good. You can tell mm. it's starting to get close to the holidays. I feel like there wasn't a lot of accounting news, but there's just like one major accounting news that just was surprisingly bigger than we expected, I think. Well, and it was perfect because it comes on the heels of QuickBooks Connect in Las Vegas. QuickBooks was in the FTX scandal. The whole <laughs> it was centerpiece of the testimony in front of Congress this week. It was fantastic. And so, of course, I brought that clip to play for our listeners in case they haven't heard the whole thing. Uh, it's it's wonderful. When when QuickBooks comes out of the mouth of the guy who cleaned up Enron, you know, and is repeated by a congresswoman incredulously, you just got to love it, right? It's cloud accounting in the mainstream media. And of course, everybody got it wrong, David, as you pointed out on Twitter and as we will discuss. Uh, so well, we'll talk about- Well, like, have we been mm-hmm. talking about crypto and FTX and Bitcoin and all, it's a little bit too much. And I feel like every time we try to get away from it, like it just, it pulls- <laughs> Comes back. Like, it pulls us right back in. Like the uh, biggest headline this week related to this had, was about QuickBooks, which is just silly. I have a funny story. <laughs> I have a funny Zoom story for you as well the, about my mom that I think you'll enjoy. I got some remote work stuff. I've got the app news. Oh, audits. We've got the PCAOB not too happy with audit firms at the moment. Something like uh, a third of audits are insufficient, failing their examinations. A whole, a whole third of audits can't be relied upon. Uh, and that might bring us back full circle to FTX. So, David, I'll let you pick first. Do you want to hear my humorous Zoom story? Yes. Or, let's start with your let's start with your humorous humorous Zoom story. Humorous Zoom story. Okay. So, uh, my mom and my dad live in our neighborhood. So uh, they were having work done on their house. So they had to get out of the house, or my mom wanted to get out of the house while my dad supervised it. So she says, "Blake, hey, can I come over to your place and hang out?" And it was a weekday. So I said, yeah, sure, absolutely. I'll be up in my office. You can hang out downstairs, do whatever you want, make yourself comfortable. So she comes by and is working on the, at the dining room table and then uh, has a Zoom call in the afternoon that she wants to make sure that you know, she's ready for. Uh, she is um, a registered dietitian and she's a very spiritual person. And she teaches a class on mindful eating. Okay. Mindfulness and eating. Yes. That's a way to, you know, like eat more mindfully, you eat less food, you know, you we eat have more a book. healthily. Yeah. Like a book in our kitchen. I've, I've, I've 
we we've tried this exercise a couple times. Oh, at you the have. Dinner okay. Table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like well, you know, you, you eat and you like shovel the food into your mouth when you're looking at your phone, right? All of a sudden, it's gone. You've eaten too yeah. much, right? All that stuff. Anyway, so she teaches this class, and uh, it's kind of new for her, so she a little nervous about it. So, you know, I make sure she's got the internet hooked up. She's up in uh, uh, my son's bedroom, going to do the class and everything's going great. She's doing the Zoom and she gets towards the end of the class and they do a meditation. And so for the meditation, everybody closes their eyes and they just sit in silence for like a few, I don't know how long actually, I'm assuming it's like a few minutes at least, right? Yeah. Um, and so my mom closes her eyes and then uh, when she opens them, she realizes that her computer has gone to sleep because she plugged it in, <laughs> but she plugged it into the socket, which is connected to the light switch. Which light switch, off. okay. So her computer had gone to sleep during the middle of the Zoom. And so she's frantically trying to get back and uh, accidentally turns it off while she's doing oh, that. No. So she then turns her computer on, gets Zoom back going. It's minutes and minutes at this point, right? And then uh, finally gets back into the Zoom. Everybody's still meditating. Nobody knows that she left and came <laughs> Nobody back. Nobody knows that she left. It's yeah. great. And she says, oh, everybody, you know, welcome back. Thank you. That was a little bit longer meditation than we normally do, but you all did great. Yeah, close out the session. So that's, that's <laughs> a, stayed on. it's a Zoom catastrophe that turned out just fine. And we're still having Zoom catastrophes, you know, 20, almost 2023 now. I haven't still had, I haven't had like one of those, you know, I mean, man, I used to have those all the time uh, when it first came out, but now it's like, Everybody generally gets on the meeting, right? Like people have stopped having these like audio, video, horrible issues, at least for me anyway. I don't know. And the kids went back to school, so you don't have those people hacking in and just oh, yeah. doing pop-ups and uninvited attendees. And yeah. mm-hmm. Actually, I do have a Zoom story. You do? I'm, I'm confused by this. So we'll just jump into FTX. Okay. So scam bank fraud. Yeah. We can call him <laughs> scam bank fraud. He was supposed to testify to Congress this week. SBF was supposed to testify. S- to, did he not do it? I guess he didn't. No, he got. Remember, it. he got. He got arrested in the Bahamas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't really testify. <laughs> yeah. And so, which I, this is what I don't get. Like, how convenient. Oh, you right? think there's some sort of like deep state uh, that wants to prevent him from testifying? I mean, they well, all took his money. If you put him in, the, he, so he's sitting there in a, in, in jail. Mm-hmm. Can he do a Zoom with Congress? Yeah, why not? Right. There's no excuse. But he just. Doesn't get he just gets to not show up? How can, like sorry I got arrested. I don't get to show up to your your little meeting you're having, or is he not there on purpose? Right, it's a good question. Tin foil, these are tinfoil hat things, but yeah, it's just, yeah. I think it's kind hey. of convenient. Well, you know, you brought up FTX and the congressional hearings, so we got to play that clip. How did QuickBooks get into the FTX crypto exchange collapse story? Now we're gonna find out. Mr. Ray, you have compared FTX as worse than Enron. Can you please elaborate on some of the specific ways FTX is worse than one of the largest corporate frauds in history? The the FTX group is unusual in the sense that, you know, I've done probably a a dozen large, you know, scale bankruptcies over my career, including Enron, of course. Uh, every one of those entities had some financial problem or another. Uh, they have some characteristics that are in common. Uh, this one is unusual, and it's unusual in the sense that literally, you know, there's no record keeping whatsoever. It's in the absence of record keeping. Employees would communicate 
you know, invoicing and expenses on on Slack, which is you know essentially a, a you know a way of communicating for chat rooms. Uh, they use QuickBooks, a multi-billion-dollar company using QuickBooks. 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 Uh, nothing against QuickBooks. Very nice tool, just not for a multi-billion-dollar company. Uh, there's no independent board, right? We we had one person really controlling this. Uh, no independent board. That's highly unusual in a size company. This is QuickBooks. 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 Uh, it it, it kind of <laughs> reminded me a little bit of when Mark Zuckerberg was testifying to Congress, and it was very clear, like, nobody in Congress has any clue about technology. Yeah. And now, I mean, we do know there are some people who represent us in the Capitol that understand mm-hmm. accounting. Some are actually accountants. Not enough. But, like, she seemed very confused. Was that Congresswoman Wagner saying... QuickBooks, like what is QuickBooks, or QuickBooks as in they were using QuickBooks, I th- or I th- what is this word you said? <laughs> yeah, yes, it, it was not. It did I, not come off as she's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of QuickBooks, and they probably shouldn't have been using it. It didn't come I, off that way. Oh, really? It, See, to me, it came off that way. That's how I interpreted it. Like the incredulity of the of a multi billion dollar company using QuickBooks, but I could see how it could go the other way too. Like, doesn't even know what it is. And what? what prompted me about this. This was really tweeted out out of context from somebody who's been covering. She's, let me get her exact title here. She writes the number one finance and newsletter on Substack. And okay. she's been on Fox and Bloomberg and she's, uh, what is her name? Genevieve Roach Dector CFA. Yeah, I follow but, her. She's awesome. But so so she, she tweeted this, this quote, basically based on what you played. Yeah. And she just Flat out said FTX used QuickBooks for accounting and then put a little emoji red flag. Yeah. And like that's just so out of context. Right, right, right. So then you very astutely and correctly said it's it's not that FTX used QuickBooks. That's not why it collapsed. But you know You could have had any any yeah. expensive ERP and it doesn't matter. Well like it was So there's two things. There's there's two statements in this clip that we just played that don't make sense put together. One is Mr. Ray, the guy overseeing this whole cleanup, whatever, John Ray the third, he says there were no records. But then he says they were using QuickBooks. So what is it? Well, they price maybe they sign up for quick everybody starts to do business. You have really like, hey, let's go get let's get accounting software. They sign up for right. QuickBooks and probably never actually did anything with it. Right. It's probably well, empty. So on Twitter, the NetSuite sales reps were having a field day with this, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, if FTX had been on NetSuite, this never would have occurred or making that, I guess they, it wasn't on Twitter. It was on LinkedIn because that's where they love to, to live, right? Yeah, the, the sales reps, the sales bros, yeah. Yeah, the sales bros. Yeah, no, it's funny though, right? Like, I mean, we accountants, accountants know that you can do fraud with any accounting system. Like, it, it doesn't matter what technology you're using. No. If you're going to misappropriate customer funds, uh, you can you can pretty much do that. It doesn't matter what the record keeping system is. But the giveaway to me that they weren't using QuickBooks is I think you found some other tweet, yeah, or some information that said they didn't even have a bank account at FTX. They were just using the Alameda's, other com- yeah, well, the research so company's bank account. This is not totally clear to me, but when they started FTX, I guess FTX couldn't get a bank account, so they were just using Alameda, the related entity's bank account. And then doing like a do to from kind of thing. Eventually, FTX did get its own accounts, but 
the right. balance sheet. I was going to say, like, why would you use QuickBooks if you yeah. can't connect to a bank feed? If you have a bank bank account, like, why are you even going to bother? The uh, the balance sheet that SBF sent to the investors was in Excel. You know, whatever they were doing in QuickBooks was not happening to the extent where they were publishing financial statements using it. But yeah, it was funny. It's it's just like a weird um, situation, and now. I have a really great sound clip that I'm going to play every time that you mention the word QuickBooks, David. <laughs> just, yeah. It's Quick fantastic. Books. It reminds me of this old like NFL meme that's still a meme. He goes around, an old coach of the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and the, they asked him about making playoffs, and he was like, playoffs? Kind of like that. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it sounds like that. QuickBooks? QuickBooks. QuickBooks? QuickBooks. There it is. Oh, that's it. So it's locked and loaded now forever. Locked and loaded. I can use it whenever I want. QuickBooks. QuickBooks? QuickBooks. <laughs> this episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Lysio. Blake and I talk a lot in the show about client experience. A great client experience may be the biggest impact on a firm's success. Did you know that Lysio is so focused on improving the client experience that they have even gone as far as trademarking, and I quote, client experience 2.0. Lysio's all-in-one client experience starts with your own firm's experience. By allowing your team to do more together, having everything in one place like secure messaging, client-facing tasks, file exchange and storage, electronic signatures, client invoicing, and client emails. When you improve your team's experience, your client's experience will follow. With Lysio, clients can use the app on their phone to easily e-sign anything, scan and send you documents from anywhere, send messages, and best of all, pay you. If you want to save 40% of your time by having everything in one place and start delivering a client experience 2.0, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Lysio. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash L-I-S-C-I-O. So that's not just what else happened, right? And so with us, again, crypto, yeah, yeah. FTX, us talking about this on the show again, yes, because of that. But then all of a sudden now, accounting firms are saying like, hey, we're not, we're going to kill, we're going to stop doing crypto stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's the, the other part of the story is now- Which the, makes us talk about it too. Right. right. Like it keeps right. coming back to accounting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so this is all the accounting angle on this. So Binance, which is the largest crypto exchange, the one that actually- uh, arguably caused the downfall of FTX. Uh, CZ, the founder, caused the downfall of FTX by saying he's going to sell all his FTT tokens, which were the FTX currency or whatever. He basically you know, caused the bank run on, on FTX. Well, they are now under scrutiny because they're the largest exchange. They're the biggest one standing, and they've never been through an audit. They've never done a proof of reserves report. And they engaged, uh, previous to all this going down, I guess in early December, engaged Mazars to do their proof of reserves, which is just, a, to be honest, like a, a BS, not really an audit thing anyway, right? And then uh, now all the accounting firms are terrified of all the heat that's happening and have pulled out of doing any crypto stuff. So Armanino killed its uh, crypto practice. Uh, Mazars took down all of the proof of reserves reports they've done from their website, and they have... Uh, shut the doors on that. And um, I haven't heard about Prager Metis, which was the firm that audited uh, FTX. I haven't heard anything about them. But I mean, they're being sued. They're being, they're being sued. sued, yeah. But... but like all the firms are running away from this. Binance is under a lot of pressure and now, you know, Mazars isn't going to do it. 
So the question is, you know, what's going to happen with, uh, with Binance? And CZ, the, the founder of Binance, was pressured on t- television about this, the lack of an audit. They haven't been through an audit. Do they actually have the reserves to back up, uh, you know, what they say they do? And I'm going to find that clip for you, and I'm going to play it. We want to be transparent. We want to set the golden standard for reliability, solidness in the so space. Do so it. Would you be able to dollars. handle it if somebody asked you for $2.1 billion back? Would that be okay? Would you be able to still withstand the things? We're financially okay. Including you have $2.1 billion to give away? If somebody came to, reclaw, to claw that back, you'd we'll, still be fine? We'll, we'll let the lawyers handle it. Our fin- we are financially strong. Even after the FTT price dropped over the last year, we still had $500 million worth of it. Uh, $580 million worth of it on the day when we transferred from the address we received a year and a half ago. We never touched it. We actually actually kind of forgot about it. Uh, but thus far, uh, you haven't disclosed your liabilities. And I wonder why that is and whether you will. Yeah, so we are working with the firms to do the uh, audited financials, li- liabilities, etc. But the audits don't reveal every problem. So, no, but, I, but an um, audit from a audit big four auditor kind of... would reveal that, CZ. If you could right. get a big four auditor to say that, if, if you're saying that some of them don't want to work with you, that raises questions too. They, they don't want to work with you because you don't have the files and the data that would make them feel comfortable signing off and, and giving that stamp of approval? Uh, actually, many of them don't even know how to audit crypto exchanges. Um, they, don't, they, don't, they don't really... when they so. When they audit, they are, they are very used to auditing a firm. Does Coinbase, no banks, Coinbase has a big four. Reserves. Coinbase has a big four auditor. Um, actually, I'm, I, I don't look at Coinbase. We don't really look at. I other, think so, though. So that was Binance CEO CZ on CNBC being grilled by the anchors, and you can't hear it in the podcast version of this, but the eye roll from the anchor when he refused to answer the question about whether they had the $2 billion was just spectacular. Uh, and, and what that was referring to is FTX bought out CZ, uh, his share of ownership in FTX at a certain point, and they gave him FTT tokens, which are the FTX coin, which are now worthless because everybody realized it's Everybody decided it's not worth yeah. anything anymore, right? <laughs> it's not tied to anything. So the question is, legally, is Binance going to have to pay back the $2 billion in value that it received from FTX to the creditors, to the depositors in the bankruptcy? Because if you receive money that was obtained fraudulently, you might have to give it back. That's that, part- I mean, that's what happened at um, uh, the big Ponzi scheme. Um Madoff. Madoff, yeah. right? The, some of the early people who maybe invested a million, got three million, had to give two million back years later. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and that we have that rule for a reason, right? It's to prevent people from gaining uh, from frauds. Uh, so even if you're ignorant of it, that's no excuse. So the, Binance could be in a whole lot of trouble. Two billion dollars they might owe to the creditors and depositors, former depositors at FTX. So yeah. Lots going on there. And I mean, of course, just this this idea that, oh, the big four don't understand cryptocurrency, you right? You dumb can't accountants. You can't audit us. Yeah. And, and of Our course- Ponzi's too complicated. Coinbase is a US exchange that is public and is audited by Deloitte. And so, yes, the big four could audit Binance. Why won't they? I'm going to guess it's because Binance can't get an opinion. 
And I think what's what's happening here, and there's an article in Forbes that talks about the Armamino ending its crypto practice and dropping these clients. Yeah. And uh, there's a paragraph in there that when you read it, it really makes you think of what's happening here. Uh, I'll just read it, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. The unit may be folding under pressure from Armanino's non-crypto clients, concerned that reputational risk to the firm will throw their audits into question, according to a source with knowledge of the firm's crypto offerings. So this is kind of amazing to me. So what's happening, right, is I'm legit business W. I don't want to be associated with you auditing my books because you're going to come up with like an idiot for auditing this crypto company stuff wrong. Then people are going to think my audit is going to be questionable right yeah and they, as they should right like yeah. you wouldn't want to go get an audit from prager metis if it turns out that prager metis did a crappy audit of uh of ftx and you know like deliberately like didn't like, like if you're an investor that's a huge red flag right so yeah it's good the thing that's shameful about this whole thing is like what armanino and prager metis and mazars were doing is they weren't doing real audits they were doing, you know, these proof of reserves. I'm doing air quotes And when they there. do this, they're never, this. like I think they even, the interview you just played, and I've seen, the, they never actually look at the liabilities when they do these proof of reserves. It's just looking at the assets at a point in time, and it's not even clear what sort of due diligence they're doing on those assets. So this goes all the way back to our discussions of Tether back at the beginning of the year. Tether... Yeah has been putting out these proof of reserves, or I think they call them attestation reports, from, um, they, they had this tiny little firm in the Bahamas doing it, Cayman Islands, actually, yeah. yeah. And then they, they got BDO Italia now to do them. But all it is is a snapshot in time of assets. And it may not even be all their assets. It's definitely not their liabilities. And the idea is, oh yeah, we're proving to our depositors or our investors that yes, we have the money. The money's there, right? But it's only at a point in time, and it's not really clear what kind of due diligence the auditors are doing on this to, pr- to actually, you know, know that it's there, that it belongs to uh, the exchange or the company. It's just a agreed upon procedures engagement. So it could be different from engagement to engagement. It's not assurance. It does not provide assurance, which is what an audit is supposed to do. And this is why it's unethical, in my opinion, for these firms to have done these, is because they provide these reports, these agreed-upon procedures reports, to these crypto exchanges. And then the crypto exchanges turn around and say, look, everybody, we passed a gap audit. We're totally yeah. legit. And they, and, they basically... And the consumer thinks. Know. Yeah. So the end user then thinks that they're okay, they're safe. The audit firm's brand is attached. And... None of these firms, when all this was happening, did anything about it, that their client was misusing this information. Like, Mazers didn't do it. You know, Armanino didn't do it. Prager Metis, you know, didn't do it. Whatever. They, they all just let it happen. Because you know why? Because uh, if they open their mouths, they lose the client. And now all these reports are down. Uh, and so, yeah, that's the question is, what's going to happen going forward? So there was a story here in Accounting Today, accountant that vetted Binance's reserves halts all crypto work. Mazers hasn't really talked much about this, but they did make a statement to Bloomberg News. Let's see what they said. But but Mazers, so they basically, they're parting ways with Binance, Crypto.com, and KuCoin, K-U-C-O-I-N. Yeah. 
So, so, so even the big, big ones. And, and, and they've pulled down the reports from their own website. So basically, we can't rely on them anymore, is essentially what they're saying. Kind of what they did with Trump, right? They pulled the reports away and said, <laughs> sorry, these are bad. In a way, right? Yeah, they're just like, yeah. we, we can't depend on the number. Yeah. Well, and, the numbers and that's, that's, the one two, that's the one-two punch for Mazers is not only did they have to withdraw their uh, compilations that they did for Trump, now they're withdrawing the uh, attestation reports that they're doing for Crypto.com and Binance. What, I mean, like, that's not a good look, is it? So, yeah, Mazers actually has refused to give a statement. The French firm suspended work for cryptocurrency firms because of indications that markets haven't been reassured by the proof of reserves reports that it published so far, according to an email from the firm seen by Bloomberg News, as reported in Accounting Today. The firm was also concerned about intense media scrutiny, the email said. So, so it sounds like the firms are looking for out, which I, don't, I understand they're looking for, out for themselves first. Yeah. Over business, right? Over, uh, yeah, over the public. Short-term which, gains or short-term money. Yep. Which is unethical. And um, they should be raked over the coals for it. But, you know, it's, uh, it's okay to do that, I guess. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Zoho. I'm sure you've heard of Zoho before. We've probably even mentioned Zoho CRM or Zoho Books on this podcast in the past. But do you really know about Zoho? Did you know that Zoho has been around for 26 years? Did you know that Zoho has 85 million users? Did you know that Zoho has over 50 applications? Did you know that Zoho offers one subscription to 50 applications? Did you know that Zoho apps are integrated with other Zoho apps? Did you know that almost all Zoho apps have Zapier connections? Did you know that some Zoho apps can connect directly to QuickBooks Online, Zero, and Sage Accounting? Did you know that Zoho offers an entire suite of solutions to run your firm, including a CRM, expense tracking, bookkeeping, a full office suite, a support ticket system, and workflow automation? Did you know that Zoho offers a suite of solutions for your client's bookkeeping, including bookkeeping, inventory, invoicing, subscription management, and a checkout app? Did you know that Zoho has an accountants program? Did you know that Zoho advisors get free access to eight Zoho applications and a dedicated account manager? If you want to learn more about becoming a Zoho advisor, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Zoho. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash Z-O-H-O. Zoho, a one-stop solution for all business needs. So I so, guess the other way this starts tying into us is through the whole apps. Have you ever heard of Evolve Bank and Trust? Yeah. So Evolve Bank and Trust, they power or relay Mm-hmm. Them. They power uh, Melio. They power lots and lots of different companies, including lots and lots of crypto companies. And so they've been having their own issues of PR battles themselves. And so they, they have a whole website set up where they all they're doing with this one page is constantly putting updates about information regarding FTX and another company called BlockFI that apparently has also had some issues another crypto company. And so just to reaffirm their statement, so or, or read their statement. To reaffirm our previous statements that we have published publicly, Evolve does not lend against crypto. We do not offer crypto custodial services and we do not trade crypto or hold any form of cryptocurrency on our balance sheet. Further, Evolve does not nor currently at any point in the past invest in or transact crypto. So that's their their statement. Mm-hmm. Evolve essentially is, is an old historical bank Mm-hmm. that they jumped into the tech world and made some APIs and they let other people start building on their banking stack. 
Right. And they did it in the typical tech fashion. Get as many people as possible as fast as possible. And so they've taken on lots and lots of customers, but a lot of these uh, companies have had issues. And the way they were involved with FTX was they were, um, some people could get a debit card, right? And get a bank account at FTX. Not all the customers, but some could do this. And so they were, that was powered by Evolve and then Evolve to pull the plug on that. They had to pull the plug on a couple different bank accounts. There's actually another company that Evolve partners with that actually issues a credit card. And they were letting people get credit based on their Bitcoin holdings. And that company is probably going to be in trouble because basically people just aren't paying the credit card bill. Yeah. They're just not paying it. And so that that's a domino. Now, the other piece of this that I thought was interesting is that I found a huge, huge post that talks about all the other companies they're involved in. And, and really, if you have, Relay is a great example, right? Because Relay is partnered with Evolve. The money we have in our Relay bank account is FDIC insured. Right? Mm-hmm. But what's happening is all these companies that partner with Evolve are playing that card. Even FTX themselves kind of played up that they had FDI, they were FDIC insured yeah. in a tweet from July of 2022 that's hence been deleted. Yeah, they, um, they were lying was, about uh, it. It's just total crap. It's not true at all. It's not true at all. And then some other ones that are all having problems right now, there's the Doge card and then there's this uh, company called Zelf which it, they position themselves as the bank of the metaverse. And it describes their product as capable of holding USD, crypto, game loot with funds, <laughs> FDIC insured up $250,000. So it's kind of on their website, but it they're basically, they're taking advantage of the branding in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, look, the average person doesn't know that all the other stuff, the crypto, the game loot, the deals, none of that's going to be FDIC insured. It's just the actual true money deposit USD into the US the bank account that is. So evolved though so even though they're not they might not be financially exposed to crypto, they're just in a lot of companies that are in messes. And and where this comes back to us is these are apps we all use. So they're you know that they've been throwing out the word crypto contagion, right? And like one yeah, crypto yeah. collapse causes another crypto collapse causes mm-hmm. another one. But like is this gonna cause collapses in the apps we use? in the accounting industry. Some of these startups, some of these small yeah. apps, because even there's another bank um, called Mercury. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of that bank. Yep. So it's a startup. A lot all, a lot of the startups use Mercury. It's built on Evolve, Bake and Trust. Apparently, the VCs are telling their startups to pull their money out of there and move to a different bank. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a ripple effect here. Let's just say there is some exposure here and Evolve goes away tomorrow. What happens to certain apps that are built on that? Apps that we use, apps yeah. that clients use. Yeah, it's it, it's a huge risk. One more thing before we move on, um, because we were talking about Tether back at the beginning of the year. That was kind of how we got onto this whole crypto is a scam theme, <laughs> and we might we might be proven right by that, David, or be proven right about that. Wall Street Journal had a story about how Tether has been increasingly lending its own coins adding risks to the stable coin that is an important cog in the crypto system. So uh, the way Tether is supposed to work is that it's a stable coin, meaning that if you give Tether $1, they will give you one Tether coin, and then you can always redeem that Tether for the dollar. Very simple. The question is, is that true? Does Tether actually have all the dollars? And could they redeem all the Tether for dollars? 
because if they can't, that's a scam. And it puts the whole crypto ecosystem at risk because um, so much of the liquidity in crypto is because of Tether. People aren't using dollars to buy and sell. They're using Tether because it's hard to use dollars because of regulation. But Tether, you can just use as much as you want. So it's it's sort of a uh, lifeblood, if you will. Way to think about it. Yeah. And so uh, in this article, which talks about how Tether has been lending, uh, making loans in, in Tether, they had a quote from an accountant. Because Tether's loans are denominated in Tether, their market value fluctuates with the price of Tether, and thus so does the market value of the company's reserves. Quote, if Tether falls and they have loans that can be repaid in Tether, then by definition, it's not backed up by a dollar, unquote, said William Vandenberg an accounting professor at College of Charleston in South Carolina who has written about Tether and followed it closely. So that's it. I mean, it's right there in print. Tether is not backed one-to-one because they are making loans denominated in Tether. It's there. It's right It's right there. They're lying, right? It's, it's obvious. And of course, Tether is one of those companies that hasn't done a full audit. They've only ever done a proof of reserves. And uh, who knows if that is uh, still you know, valid or if the accounting firm has pulled that out. I think they started working with BDO Italia. We'll see if BDO pulls that report or not. All right, that's it for me for Crypto Land. Where do you want to go, David? Do you want to jump into app news? Because I have one that, that can, an app store that transitions us there. Do it. Let, okay. me, let me play the music. So I think we mentioned maybe two episodes ago, you know, as this mess of crypto keeps happening, the real winners in this are going to be companies that can figure out how to account for it properly, mm-hmm. right? assist with mm-hmm. audits, help controllers and CFOs properly book, really, crypto to the balance sheet, debits and credits, right? Take take crypto transactions and put it into debits and credits. You mean not so a one of these companies, made up Excel balance sheet? Like yeah, you just can't do it that using? way. Yeah. So... <laughs> And, and there's just beyond coins, right? You have the, you have the uh, NFTs, you have, um, there's a lot of crypto technologies happening, right? Assets in the metaverse, et cetera. So Bitwave is one of these companies. They just raised $15 million Series A to expand their crypto accounting software. Essentially what they're going to do uh, with most of this funding, they're going to develop their Bitwave Institutional, which is their new product targeting enterprise customers with complex accounting needs, such as custodians and exchanges. So they're really creating product targeting these companies. Hopefully well, one of them stays around to become a customer maybe, <laughs> but that's who they're targeting, <laughs> like these, these yeah. customers. But that, it was interesting. I didn't know this, but the founders, which is kind of an interesting thing, this is from one of the um, other, uh, one of the investors. This is a, a general partner at Blockchain Capital predicts that there'll be 100 times more enterprises in crypto five years from now, and all of them are going to need a product like Bitwave. That yeah. You can't. The accounting is going to have to be done properly. There's no way around it. And then he's talking about the two founders. So the founders, you have um, Patrick White and uh, Amy Kalnoki. He basically says that they're the only two people in the world that sit in this middle of this bubble, which is understanding of taxes and accounting, understanding enterprise software, and understanding crypto. There's not many people that can do all three. And it's very clear it happens when somebody only understands crypto and they don't understand accounting. <laughs> like we get an FTX situation, right? That's right. Well, that's, that's awesome. So maybe somebody, like maybe Bitwave, will get the balance sheet sort, sorted out. 
and, and do they integrate with QuickBooks? You know, could we uh, have a multi-billion-dollar exchange <laughs> summarizing its crypto into a QuickBooks balance sheet? Because I think actually that's a point I want to go back to, David, if that's okay, for just a moment. Yeah. You can use QuickBooks to run a multi-million-dollar company or even a multi-billion-dollar company if you can summarize transactions. You can put them into any accounting software, and you can create a PNL or a balance sheet. I agree. And so that's why third-party add-ons are awesome, and that's why QuickBooks Advanced is growing, because you can summarize data, put it into QuickBooks. It doesn't matter. You can be doing $200 million a year in revenue, and you can be in QuickBooks if you've got it set up right. So anyway. It's been a very long time since you couldn't type a transaction more than $9 million into QuickBooks. You know, That was 30 years ago. Now you can put big old transactions in there. Uh, Intuit, speaking of Intuit, announces enhancements to tax products. They are continuing to add to their Intuit Tax Advisor product, which we have talked about previously on the show. This is the product that helps you do tax advisory services and looked very interesting. I think we even played a clip of it uh, at one point. So what is new? Now, if you're using Tax Advisor, you can select tax loss harvesting and cost segregation studies as strategies in Intuit Tax Advisor. You can edit multiple fields in an activity together before recalculation occurs. That's for like W-2s, K-1s, etc. You can gain more visibility into which tax fields are impacted by a strategy and more detail about the calculations. There's an enhanced error handling when users enter a strategy value that is not supported in order to easily identify and correct errors. Plus, strategies with, with errors will be excluded from client reports to avoid any confusion. They've improved their client report from reordering pages to editing strategy content. And they also plan to add the ability to select qualified business income deduction optimization as a strategy and the ability to select converting self-employed businesses to an S-corporation as a strategy and a uh, new self-help widget, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that feature. There's a lot of bullet points here in this, in this release. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Canopy. Did you know that Canopy has a partnership with the IRS? This means that you can now use Canopy to pull your client transcripts. The integration is approved by the IRS and can be configured to automatically pull transcripts you can easily monitor if and when something changes. Now here's the best part. Once you have your client's transcripts, you can use Canopy's notices feature to help you resolve your client's notices. Canopy has a library of 350 plus pre-built federal and state notice templates that provide an overview of the notice type, as well as walk you through the recommended steps to resolution. And Canopy can even create and autofill your IRS response letters. Canopy also integrates with QuickBooks Online, Xero, FreshBooks, CRMs, Form Builders, Spreadsheets, Calendars, Email, and Zapier. They even have a mobile app, centralized file management, fillable PDFs, a client portal, task management, and the list goes on and on. To get a demo of Canopy and to receive a $40 Amazon gift card, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash canopy. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-A-N-O-P-Y. Pluto. You're familiar with Pluto? Pluto the dog. Uh, my son was just watching Mickey's Christmas special. So yes, no, Pluto. Not Pluto. Pluto no, was the P instigator of all of the drama in the episode. No, this is Pluto as in the accounts payable, accounts receivable app for small okay. businesses. Yeah. It's P-L-O-O-T-O. -O -O. They just secured- Qu Question, um, David. Is Pluto a planet? 
This is not science hour, man. We are accounting. This is an accounting practice. No, no accountants care. Our listeners don't care. Sorry. Okay. I, I, please continue. <laughs> so they have secured 27 million uh, Canadian dollars, so 20 million USD, and their Series B. And what's interesting about this raise, two, two interesting quotes kind of came out of this um, from the founder. One of them is the observation that the number one reason why companies stop using their product is because they go out of business. Oh, and okay. usually Pluto is the last application they turn off. So as a business is having problems, they're going to still try to pay their bills, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're trying to get the receivables in so they stay on the product. So that was kind of interesting that their churn is usually because a customer goes out of business. And then the uh, other piece of this is how they feel that in Canada, Bill.com Emilio are kind of ignoring the Canadian market, Right. The bill, a lot of the U.S. bill payers are not in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so they think there's really – they're well positioned to, to grow and just really take over Canada. And that's kind of their play on this. Hmm. Did you see that Wayne Chang is leaving Digits? I did see there was a very – well, in the Digits way that overproduced – he had an overproduced LinkedIn letter. Well, instead, of, instead of just making a LinkedIn post, he posted a picture – of a letter on a uh, what looks like graph paper, blue graph paper. It was uh, branded. It was it met the branding. It yeah, was the it's brand. branded. The digits branded. Yeah. yeah. Um, it says uh, to the team, rocket ship emoji. Amazing. What an incredible journey we've been on together in the last five years. Working with you all has been an absolute privilege, and I am truly proud of the amazing things we have accomplished. As a zero-to-one startup founder, my mission is to create magical, category-defining products that push the boundaries of what is possible, and together, we have done that and more. From the industry's first real-time search with Digit Search, to magical drag-and-drop financial reports with Digit Reports, to the iconic Digit's platform itself, we have truly made a mark on our industry and disrupted the status quo. And the company is now positioned better than ever. It has 4.5 years in runway. It has great investors. Um... It has a world-class team. It has a multi-year head start in its core AI technology, and it has award-winning category-defining tools that customers are clamoring for. Now it is time for me to move on to my next zero-to-one adventure. So there you have it. Four years, and he has gone from zero-to-one, made an incredible category-defining product that has revolutionized the accounting profession. I think we can all agree. I mean, everybody uses digits now, right, David? Well, I mean, I, I, it's so far from done, if that makes any sense. And that's why I guess him leaving is kind of surprising. I don't know. We've been in this industry long enough where there's founders that are just in it forever, right? And there's people that see the accounting industry as an op- a stepping stone, an opportunity to make some cash and move yeah. on. Right? Yeah. So. Zero has established a technology base in India. I saw this back in November. It's through a strategic partnership with Infosys, a global digital services and consulting company. So they're going to have a zero managed center of technical talent at the Infosys campus in India. Uh, India is the only country in the world that is not projected to have a shortage of professionals in the next few decades. The only one that's going to continue to create uh, growth in that regard. Like, And by professionals, you know, white collar workers, right? Because they're still making babies. Yes. Even in China, China's going to have this like weird population shift themselves. Oh, yeah. No, the one-child policy in China 
is probably the most disastrous thing to ever happen to China, and nobody even realizes yet. The population's going to have there. They're going to have half as many people in China in, in like, not too long. It's going to totally- a huge aging population. Yeah, I mean, they're going to turn into Japan very quickly. Uh, Japan's getting really old. Yeah, India's the only country that's, like, of, of size that is continuing to produce lots of kids. And so, uh, human, yeah. human capital, human, ca- which is the most important kind of capital these days. That's yeah. how you, that's how you make more accountants. People need to have more babies. The ACPA needs to be way <laughs> earlier in the funnel now. That's the top. That's the funnel. You think, um, get- maybe at, uh, at AICP engage, they could give out, um, I was going to say like AICPA branded condoms, but they could poke holes in them, you know, like <laughs> defective, <laughs> defective contraceptives <laughs> or soften the, the, the funnel way up top. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've talked about before, like a lot of, uh, I may have tweeted about it. Like the one of the, I feel like for 2022, one of the most overused uh, lines on most websites is faster close. Close the books faster. Like yeah, that's, the, that's thanks to Flowcast. The, that was, that was, that was me and, uh, and the CMO okay. there. That was, that was I can't take you. credit for that well, catchphrase, but yes, that was. Well, guess what? Now, now there's yeah. a company just called Fast Close. It was just called Fast Close. That's smart. It's, it's called Fast Close. The... They just bypassed everybody. Yeah. straight to it. Is it not so for it's fast? Is it, it's not for sales though. It's for it's fastclose.uk, and it's um BI software that they say is a system oh, with yeah. the ease of use of Excel. Smart. And this adds on to um, ERPs and they're doing uh, some automation stuff with, there's an ERP called nextworld.net. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of this is based out of Europe and the UK. But anyways, I just noticed, hey, fast close, they've just bypassed everybody. <laughs> That's amazing. US banks, including Chase, are creating a plan to refund victims of scams on the Zelle payment network. I've been hearing about this for a long time, like all these frauds that are happening. And if you get scammed out of money using Zelle, like the banks are like, no help. They, they're like, sorry, your money's gone. And apparently the PR has been bad enough where now they're going to start working on this. That's all I got. That was reported in Wall Street Journal. <laughs> no, that, 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 that's good. Good for the banks. Help yeah, I out. mean, you know, way to listen to your customers, right? Build connections in Microsoft Teams with Games for Work, a new Microsoft Teams app. So now, David... If you haven't had enough games for work, yeah, this is this is what we're getting to now. Well, this sort of wasn't there like an episode of The Office where everybody gets into playing like Call of Duty or something like that. I can't remember, but like they're all playing it like after work. I mean, that, games playing games at work can definitely lead to team building, and in remote work in particular, like maybe playing games will help you build a stronger team. So I think this is actually pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so this is a new um, a new app from Microsoft that's built into Teams. According to a study by Brigham Young University, teams who played short video games together were 20% more productive than those who participated in more traditional team building activities. Oh yeah, and I would definitely rather play a video game with my coworkers than do a trust fall. Like any day, David, any day. Why not just work on the work together? Like, uh, make the most sense. Well, let's see what kind of games you can play. So you can play casual games such as Microsoft Icebreakers. I don't know what that is. Wordament, uh, Minesweeper, and Solitaire. <laughs> Wait, I thought Solitaire was a solitary game. Like, Solitaire and Minesweeper. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's amazing. It just, it's kind of amazing that Minesweeper is still going. You know, that was like the first app I ever used was Minesweeper on a Windows, you know? And they don't have to change it. It keeps going and going and going. Oh, so Microsoft Icebreakers, here's here's what it is. 
encourage new teams to communicate and learn about each other with ease. It's a variation on this or that, pineapple or pepperoni on your pizza. It's so simple and intuitive, you can't help but answer the question. It can also spur lively and at times passionate conversation to foster connections and build team morale. Actually, that pineapple and, and pepperoni question, like you're going to start some fights, you know, with that oh, this one. This is going to, and see, this is built into Microsoft Office, right? You probably get it for free. Yeah. Firms are going to be all over this. Like, like, they, oh, yeah. I think it's firms great. Firms are going to be all over this. I mean, I might be joking around, but I think this is awesome. I think like use this right. if you've got it. Like this is cool. <laughs> um, there's actually another feature of Microsoft Teams that is new. Uh, Microsoft Teams now has communities. So you can set up a Microsoft Team like for your, I don't know, pickleball club. And I saw this and I was thinking, actually, David, we've been talking about creating a community for our listeners for a long time. Maybe this is the, the thing we've been waiting for because we kind of talked about doing it in Slack. We thought about doing it in Facebook. Or Facebook or any of these things. But it's things. like, uh, Facebook, really? You know, we thought about doing it in, I don't know, getting our own proprietary social platform. But then... I've gotten invites for those and you got to sign up for something and download another app and nobody wants to download another app. So maybe if we just do it in Microsoft Teams, we can get people to actually do it. Because I know that, you know, what, like 80, 90% of firms, it's probably more than that, are on Microsoft stack versus, you know, sure, anything else. Twitter might not be around next week, so we don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which t right now is probably our number one community area. Well, actually, uh, so Elon Musk... I think this happened today. We're recording on Sunday, December 18th. And Elon Musk tweeted out a poll uh, asking, should I step down as head of Twitter? I will abide by the results of this poll. And currently, with seven hours left, he is losing his own poll. 56% of voters want him to step down. So that's, that's uh, looking like he might have, you know, if he actually abides... He's going to step down as CEO. By the way, almost 10 million people have voted on this thing. Is that crazy or what? 10 million people voting on a, on a Twitter poll? <laughs> it's just, what a, what a world we live in, David. Did you ever imagine that incredibly important decisions as who is going to be the CEO of the social media platform that influences news coverage in this country is going to be decided based on a Twitter poll? Well, I'm sure he, he has already made a decision because... He, it's not a good use of his resources. Like he's really smart. He just doesn't need to be in the day to day of Twitter. Yeah, and so he shouldn't be. He should be freaking running. He should Tesla. hire a real CEO. He should hire a team. He needs to implement a management team and get out of the weeds. Uh, SpaceX and Tesla. First of all, I really want to be able to visit Mars someday. So I really need Elon Musk to get back to focusing on his dream, which is to go to Mars and stay there. And he needs to just stay there <laughs> stay on there. Mars. <laughs> where there's a delay of like several hours before any communications from him will reach Earth. And that's it for app news. Yeah, I think that's it for app news. You want to do some listener mail maybe? Yeah, oh yeah, listener mail. Kate Johnson sent us a voicemail about education. Hey, Blake and David, it's Kate Josephine Johnson here. Thanks so much for your reporting and thought leadership. I don't miss an episode. So I know you'll talk a lot about accounting education from the very first accounting courses all the way through the 150 hours for the CPA. And I found a unique college program that I'd like to share. This week I talked with two current students in the Western Governors University accounting program. One is doing the bachelor's and one is doing the master's. This online university seems like a particularly good fit for career changers and transfer students. It is all online and you can move as fast as you want. 
the really interesting part is that you don't pay per class, you pay per semester. So for folks who are really self-motivated, these two panelists shared that you can get a lot of hours completed and move very fast, which saves you a lot of money. Undergrad semesters are less than 4,000 per semester and graduate classes are less than uh, $5,000 for the whole semester. The courses and the proctor test are available 24 hours a day, 365 a year. So you've got the utmost flexibility there. And the gal going through the master's program said that there is this subculture of students who call themselves the accelerators and they are doing all the coursework for their master's program in just one semester instead of three or four. Uh, and that means only paying for one semester of tuition, which is less than five grand. Now granted, most of those folks quit their jobs and are studying at every moment, but apparently there are real people that this is work that are working hard and doing this. Even if you go at a slower pace, it sounds like a really affordable and flexible program. One final thing I'll add though, is that this might not solve the CPA pipeline problem because the gal getting her master said she entered the program intending to sit for the CPA, but her own bookkeeping and advisory business has grown so much over the last year that she's questioning whether she needs it. She isn't worried about the test, but she's discouraged by the requirement in her state to work for another firm for a year, which doesn't seem like an ideal fit for her family situation or for her financially. So I'm not sure the extent to which the supervised hours requirement is a benefit or a hindrance in the modern accounting workforce. If anyone wants to hear those two students give all the details about the Western Governors University accounting programs, you can find it on the Bookkeeping Side Hustle YouTube channel. I wasn't endorsing the program or sponsored to do the interview or anything like that. I'm just on a mission to ensure bookkeeping professionals are just really, really smart at the debits and credits. So I'm always looking for great and affordable education opportunities. Keep up the great work, guys. Wow, that is awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Kate, for that intel. Western Governors University, wgu.edu. So that's a good hack, right? Yeah. Find a place that's all you can eat classes and just knock all your stuff out in one semester. Just makes, knock it all out. Makes so much sense. And I think based on those prices, four or $5,000 a semester, yeah, I mean, it would be pretty aggressive to try and do it in one. But even at two, you're spending about what I spent, I think, to do it. And it took me a long time because I did it over, you know, years, really. You could just knock it out with the all-you-could-eat. So then the other half of her call, if I'm hearing this correctly, you get educated, you ha you're competent, you create a business, you're out in the market, the market is proving that you're a valuable commodity, but you have to throw that all away because you don't have experience at a CPA firm, so you can't go get your CPE. Well, yeah, because that's yeah. one of the requirements, right, is that you got to have so many years of signed-off experience working at, under a CPA, working for a CPA, which... You got to wonder, is that really necessary anymore? Is there another way to demonstrate competency or to get experience? You mean like if there was just a test, if there was this test you could take to demonstrate your competency yeah. as an accountant? Yeah, that would be great. If we only we had one of those, David, a test <laughs> this, that really measured. Test? Yeah, it's just too bad we don't have one. That would uh, be the way to do it. Yeah, it would be great. Other news. Well, we got more listener mail, though. Oh, another one? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, so Ben Taylor said, hey, Blake, this just came out if you didn't see it already, and he linked to the crypto.com proof of reserves. Agreed upon procedures for a big crypto exchange. Masquerading is more than that. Haven't had a chance to dig into it, but I figured this is right up your alley. Uh, one hopefully good thing that comes out of this is that many is that people may care about the distinction between different types of audit firm services again, or maybe that's wishful thinking. Thanks, Ben. Uh, and of course, you know, I didn't even look at that until after it had been withdrawn. 
So that's the one that we were talking about, the proof of reserves oh. that Mazers <laughs> did. They got withdrawn. Yeah. And you I think- click the link fast enough. I think what'll happen is like the average, this is the problem. The average person can't distinguish between an audit and a agreed upon procedures you know, engagement. And we, we as a profession should just not be doing that kind of crap. It's BS. And it's a we, David Leary test. If I can't tell. Yeah, dude, something. I can't even tell. I'm a CPA, David. <laughs> this stuff is, I read those reports. I'm like, what did I just read? What does it mean? Oh. You know, it's just total jargon and gobbledygook. And the only people who understand it are the people who wrote it and the people who came up with these ridiculous uh, kinds of engagements. And yeah, it shouldn't exist. It's just, it's just too darn confusing. Uh, so thanks, Ben, for sending that our way, although it, uh, it was made moot. <laughs> oh, last one, if you don't mind, David. Since we got the listener mail, we want to get through it. Oh, uh, listener mail, keep going. Luke Templin has purchased findaily.io from Jason Stats. He said, hey, Blake and David, I have huge cloud accounting news to share with you. It is probably the most significant cloud accounting news of 2022, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I have purchased, great, great way to start an email, though, if you want to get our attention. I have purchased findaily.io from Jason Stats. I raised funds via my kids' college tuition funds to acquire findaily. Realize built findaily to provide a daily financial digest on autopilot. Findaily is moving from alpha testing to beta testing in January. We would love for some of the listeners of the best accounting and finance podcast on the planet to join our beta. Your listeners can go to findaily.io to learn and join a waitlist. So go to findaily.io and tell them that you came from the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'd love to chat more about findaily.io, but Jason's stats would be better. He's better spoken and looking. I don't know, Luke. Uh, in all seriousness, I love listening to your podcast. Hopefully, we can have some drinks together in Vegas. Unfortunately, we did not. But uh, thanks, Luke. And I'm behind on my mail, as you can tell. So uh, I appreciate that, and good luck with that. That's awesome. So I clicked on it. The concept seems kind of cool to me. So it's like it's like mail merge and email, mm-hmm. but instead of putting in people's address, you're pulling in data from QuickBooks or other things you've connected in, bank balances, et cetera. So you, in a way, and they. Instead of making everybody's like, oh, we need dashboards, dashboards, KPIs, dashboards. Instead yeah. of making things that maybe your your clients don't even want or care about, that's like very hard to do. Basically, you're going to write an email and you're going to connect it to put the bank balance in every day in this email and send it to the client, and the client's going to be like, oh my god, this is amazing. That's yeah, kind of the vibe right? I get from the product. That's the product. Yeah, it's just it's just send data to the client via email or to yourself via email every day, and that's great. I I don't have to log in to check my bank balance now. Or I don't have to no, log in. It's just it's just it's just what they want, right? Yeah. It, I, it really. I don't have to log into zero to check my accounts receivable or you know, whatever it is. You can create a digest of unpaid invoices, overdue invoices, customers with a balance. It's all customizable. I want to use it and then I don't have to give you updates anymore, Blake. Oh, thank you, David. You just sent <laughs> use this for s- this. subscribe me to some annoying daily email. I'm sure <laughs> I will actually find it very useful. So pretty neat. Uh, that's all the time we have for this week, David. If people want to get in touch with you, complain about you know your opinions, um, where can they do that? I'm on all the socials at David Leary. I am at Blake T. Oliver. Please at me on Twitter until it implodes. Uh, you can also email us, cloudaccountingpodcast at earmarkcpe.com. You can send us a voicemail there. We love to hear from our listeners, and we will... Very, very, very likely play it on the air because we love getting voicemails that much. You can even promote your own stuff. We don't care. It's like getting a free ad. So just do it. I mean, you have, normally have to pay for those things. And it's a lot of money these days. So send us a voicemail. And 
if you have any articles you see about trends of 2023 predictions, I started to bucket those in a little folder. I'll start oh. going through those next week. Is that what no, we're doing next week, David? Predictions? Well, we're at the end of the year. It's getting close. Yeah. I don't know if it's next week or the week after, but I've started to put those articles okay. aside. You okay. know these things, like 50 trends to watch. Oh, yeah. So I'll just put them aside and then see what's in them, see what's interesting. Hopefully the trend, the trend I want to see is that crypto just completely goes away <laughs> so we can move on to 2023. And like, we're going to have to rename this like crypto this week or something. <laughs> well, crypto uh, weekly. No, please don't. No. Uh, yeah, let's get back to normal stuff. Yeah, with GPT-3... I feel like my predictions are all out. Like everything is totally possible now. It's a very exciting time to be alive. Very exciting time to be an accountant. I know I say that at the end of every year, but it's getting better and better. It's getting better. It really is. Like it's getting better. Um, it's Well, it's going to get a little worse before it gets a lot better. That's what's happening. So just stick with us, guys. Gusto has proof it's getting better. Really? You got another story Gusto, for us? Gusto has. They have a... Real data from real pay stubs, and the average size of bonuses for accounting has increased 9% between 2021 and 20, November of 2022. Yes. Show us the money. So so your bonuses, if you're an accountant, your bonus is 10% higher this year. Well, and uh, CPA Trendlines just said that CPA firm wages have surged 9% in the latest quarter. That's a lot. So, hey, maybe we're finally going to get paid what we're worth. I think that's something we're celebrating. And with that, David, uh, we better go because my son told me that at 9 p.m. he's going to burst into this office and disrupt our recording session. So unless All you right. want to see him, you know, we better we better end the show. We want to end with a Zoom nightmare. No, All we right. don't want to end with what happened actually happened to me on a webinar in the in the <laughs> pandemic. All right, bye, David. All right, bye, everybody. Bye. Time for the classifieds. Check out Hector Garcia's new app called Right Tool for QuickBooks Online. Instantly increase your productivity with keyboard shortcuts and more. It will save you seconds. The app is free at the moment in public beta. Check them out at righttool.app. That is righttool.app. R-I-G-H-T-T-O-O-L dot app. I don't care where you live in the United States. If you're a CPA, you have to take ethics continuing education. And I don't care who you are and where you live. You hate taking ethics continuing education that's why me greg kite and my buddy adam browd we created a podcast called drunk ethics where we unfold and uh, expose all of the inner secrets of not just ethics but how to become more ethical and to promote ethical behavior at your workplace and we do that while we are getting progressively more faced during the course of each episode in each episode we take seven shots every seven minutes and so at the beginning we are scholarly and by the end we are drunk yet still scholarly if you're interested in this podcast which i know you are anyone can listen to the podcast for free it's out there you can find it but if you want cpe credit for it nasba certified cpe credit it is a premium course on Earmark, so if you're already a subscriber to Earmark, it's going to be more than that. But listen, it's worth it because of two reasons. First off, you know your company. You know your firm's going to pay for it and not you. And second of all, it's worth it, damn it. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? 
Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.